Well, welcome to the Unstoppable Freedom Podcast. I'm Jimmy Page. The law is more on the side of free speech and religious liberty than ever before, but it sure doesn't feel like it, does it? And no matter how it feels, it's true. Here's the truth. When we fight back, we win. And we win big. We win a lot. Our guest is on the front lines of the legal fight to maintain our God-given rights to free speech and religious expression. Her name is Cassie Doolin, and she is the Director of Government Affairs and Counsel with First Liberty Institute. She's a woman of God. She's a cancer survivor, and she's worked on some high-profile historic cases to secure our liberties. And in this episode, we're going to walk through some key legal wins that must serve to embolden people of faith to exercise their rights in the public square. Cassie, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jimmy, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. You know, you're going to I heard you're going to be the number one guest from First Liberty. You've been a great partner for us. And, uh, you know, Mike Berry's been on and and I'm thinking that you're going to you're going to set the standard today. I think so. Oh, I don't know about that. Mike's Mike's a hard person to beat, but I appreciate your vote of confidence. He is. Uh, he's a Marine, isn't he? He is. Yeah, that makes him that that does give him a leg up on in some ways, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, I'm I'm excited for this segment because I think it's going to be one of our most encouraging messages of the year. And, uh, you know, first of all, hey, congrats on beating cancer. That that makes you a true warrior. And as we've talked on the on the side, my wife is beating cancer. Congratulations. Way to go. Thank you so much. I am just it's I'm just so grateful to be at this point. It's been definitely a battle, but I learned a lot of things about having an overcoming mindset that I think have actually helped me in my legal work. It's we're fighting a battle against cancer, but then you're fighting a battle for freedom and you need an overcoming mindset for both. So it's actually been really neat to get to marry those two things in my life and fight them and fight for freedom at the same time. It's amazing. Sometimes the hardest things that we go through prepare us for other things in our lives, right? And like you said it, you know, we are in a fight, right? We're in a cultural war. So, you know, I used to say, hey, let's try and improve the culture. Well, um, this is a dog fight. This is a brawl. This is what I would call a street fight. And thank God for the legal aspect of this fight. Thank God for First Liberty Institute. Thanks. Thank God for you and the rest of the team. So let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. It's it's easy to understand why people feel like we're losing. I mean, think about it. I'm going to give you a couple scenarios that make us kind of know that this is a dogfight. It doesn't feel like we're winning. And then we're going to turn it all around. But here's why it doesn't feel like we're winning. Right now, the current administration is actively engaged in censorship through all media outlets. I mean, think about that. They are coordinating efforts to silence Americans, citizens who have the unalienable rights that are protected by the Constitution, given by God, um, they are censoring us actively, and they're appealing a legal decision that they lost to be able to keep silencing and censoring us, even though it is blatantly unconstitutional. So that's one thing. Secondly, people are losing their jobs, or they're being fired for expressing their deeply held religious views. We see this especially with Catholics are, who are expressing their pro-life opinions in particular. We see this with police officers, with people, with first responders. We also see kids are losing opportunities, and this really makes me mad. Kids are losing opportunities to attend universities to compete at the highest level. And by the way, this is still happening. There are still universities in this country that are mandating medical treatments um, that have proven to not be effective, which is a stunner. And then the last one I'll mention, and then I'm going to get you all over these topics. 
People are being censored and deplatformed from social media for expressing opinions, especially as it relates to traditionally held religious views around gender, around marriage, uh, maybe protecting kids from explicit material in their schools, competing in fair competition with the same gender. Um, but that's why I have you on today, Cassie. I mean, that's why you're here. You are you're like hitting cleanup today to to make us not be depressed by what I just shared and embolden us to take action to prove that we should feel good about the protection of our speech and re- and religious liberty. So um, what give us your feeling. I, I just said four key areas where our rights are being infringed. Just uh, tell me what you think about that and tell me uh, what we do about it. Absolutely. Well, what I see today is that it feels like, and in many ways, religious freedom is under attack like never before. But the good news is that the law is on the side of people of faith, their religious freedom, and their free speech like never before. And a big part of that is because of some wins we've had at the Supreme Court over the last couple of years that First Liberty has had the privilege of taking to the Supreme Court and winning, some of them even 9-0. Specifically... Wait a minute. So right there, I want to pause because nobody's going to believe you, you know, that we can get a 9-0 ruling from the Supreme Court. We've never been more divided in the history of the country. Never. Um, we talk about, in fact, we've got people at the highest levels telling us why we don't like each other, even though it's not true here in regular America. Yeah. But you get not, you get, you've gotten some 9-0 verdicts protecting religious uh, freedoms. Tell, let, let's talk about a couple of those. You want to go on the business side first? You want to talk about maybe the Jack Phillips case or some of those? Sure, absolutely. So one that is in particular relevant to employees' rights, which is where we're seeing a lot of this discrimination, is it's a person of faith and they're at a company and they have they need a religious accommodation. First Liberty is fighting a case right now on behalf of Valerie Klusterman, who worked at a health facility, treated all patients happily, but she was asked to sign an affirmation that she would use biology obscuring pronouns and refer for treatments that obscure biology. And she said, because of my faith, I can't do that. And so the question is, where is Valerie now? And the good news is today she is in a much stronger position than she was even just one year ago because of a win we got at the Supreme Court. And that was in the case of Gerald Groff, who used to actually be a missionary who served overseas. He has some incredible stories. But he came back to the U.S. and he said, "Okay, I want to serve my community and I want to do it somewhere where I can honor the Sabbath. And so he thought, I need to go somewhere where I can honor the Sabbath. And so what's somewhere that is uh, doesn't operate on Sundays? You might be thinking Chick-fil-A or Hobby Lobby. I was thinking Chick-fil-A. I got to admit, I was thinking Chick-fil-A. You know, my pleasure. (laughs) Let's go. Absolutely. So they are. They're fantastic. And if he had gone there, I don't think this case would have happened. But instead, he went to the post office and they didn't deliver mail on Sundays. He could honor the Sabbath. Everything was great. But then when Amazon came into the picture and began to just dominate the world, really, uh, the post office contract with Amazon to deliver mail on Sundays. And so Gerald went to his supervisors and said, hey, this is my belief. Um, is there any way? I said, I'll work. I'll work all Saturdays. I'll work late nights. I'll work holidays, every holiday. I just don't want to work on Sunday. And the post office just initially, they gave him a little bit of an accommodation, but then they took it away. So we took that case. Yeah. So we took that case to the Supreme Court saying this shouldn't be happening in America. Yeah. And so like the standard is right. If as long as my religious activity or my religious beliefs don't cause a hardship, right, an undue hardship on the business, which, of course, 
this it seems obvious to a to a rational person that this doesn't but isn't that the standard right it is so under title 7 which is the law that governs employment that is the standard but back in the 1970s the supreme court came out with a really terrible decision called TWA versus Hardison and they said oh that they, they I think they needed to go back to the dictionary because what happened is they said that actually means a de minimis burden, which de minimis, we all know the root word of that is mini. So if there's any mini burden on the company to accommodate you, they don't have to, they can just fire you. So employers were always winning and people of faith who needed accommodation were always losing. But we brought this case to the Supreme Court and 9-0, the court said, we're throwing out that standard. Now there has to be a significant cost or expense to the business. So if you have an accommodation you need and it's going to cost a lot, they don't have to do it. But they have to prove it's a really high bar now that they have to prove, man, this is really going to be a cost to our company. And otherwise, they now have to accommodate people of faith. And so we're excited wow. about Valerie Klusterman's case. and think we've got a really strong chance of winning because the law is now so on her side. This is so great. You know, like for, this is really encouraging to me. And I know a whole bunch about a lot of these cases, but I didn't know about hers in specific. And what I love about this is you're now stacking wins, right? You, you get a decision that, that is a, a win for, to raise the standard of hardship on a business, which that makes sense. And now you're applying it to additional cases today. So we should see a whole bunch of stacked wins on this issue, shouldn't we? And, and, and the other thing is, why does this keep happening? If it's the settled law at the Supreme Court level, why do we have to keep defending it? That's a great question. And I think a big part of it is we just had a kind of a slew of bad decisions in around the 1970s where the court really just misinterpreted the law. It misinterpreted the First Amendment and it came out with these really unusual standards that led people to be very afraid um, of doing something wrong. And so we saw that in Coach Kennedy's case. There was a case called the Lemon Test, and it said, if in any way a government looks like it's endorsing religion, then the government can't do it. And so I know your listeners are familiar with Coach Kennedy. You've had him on the podcast. But high school football coach wanted to kneel and say a brief, quiet, personal prayer after high school football games. And the reason the school got so upset about it is they said, hey, under this bad law, Lemon, uh, this is going to look like government endorsing religion, which I, I, I strongly disagree with. But that was their perspective. So we took it to the court and the court wiped out that precedent as well. They said, that's no longer good law. What we're going to say now is that we're going to look to historical traditions and practices to see, is this something that would have been allowed at the founding? And if so, it's okay now. Wait, okay, time out. That is, this is like Blackstone Fellowship stuff, right? I mean, this is like original law interpretation all of a sudden. What has happened to our Supreme Court? I ask that tongue in cheek, because if they're saying we should go back to the the intent, the original intent of the original founding documents, which is absolutely the way you find out what they meant, right, and how you apply it today. Um, if that's true, then we are we are um, poised for some really big wins because you wipe out the lemon test. Oh my gosh, that opens up religious freedom in the public square everywhere, doesn't it? Oh, 100%. And that's what's so exciting is that, like I was saying earlier, the law really is on the side of people of faith. Now, there are so many things that you can do that you couldn't before, whether you're a government employee like Coach Kennedy, and it's okay now to say a prayer. It's okay to wear a cross necklace. Uh, a city government can put up a Ten Commandments display or a nativity display. And also, it's not just our freedom to do, to practice our faith. 
But there have been a lot of decisions to say, hey, government, you've been discriminating against religion and you need to stop. And so that is going to be a, that's a, that's really a new frontier where the law is developing in an even greater way. And I think it's really going to help people of faith. It's amazing. And, you know, I was thinking in terms of the coach, right? Mm-hmm. Coach Kennedy is a great example. And and uh, and it's setting a precedent for everybody that's coming behind him. I spent a lot of time in sports ministry with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, an incredible organization that is um, reaching kids and coaches for Christ and really engaging, equipping and empowering them to live out their faith in the public square, which I love, you know, um, and there's been a lot of attacks on that, right? The freedom, the, the nuisance, I call it the, the, the uh, mosquito, the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Every year, they send out these blanket letters to schools all over the country, threatening athletic departments, threatening schools with lawsuits, of course, of which they don't win anything, right? But we have to defend it, which is great. And now we don't even have to defend it because we've won so much. But there was a particular case in San Jose schools. And I don't know if you're familiar with this one or if you guys were involved in that. Are you familiar with that case? I am with the FCA case. Yes. Did you, that's a big win, right? Because we're talking about California, which most people (laughs) believe doesn't really, you know, adhere to the constitution in any respect. Yeah. It seems seems like a constitution free zone in some ways. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my. That's that's brilliant. I hope they don't think of that because they've already thought of the free speech free zones and and a whole bunch of other free zones. Hopefully they won't go that far. But the great news is that FCA won. Hopefully that'll be the end of it. Uh, They were being discriminated on campus for, um, you know, having a a huddle on campus. Talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about that case. Yeah. So just like you said, Fellowship of Christian Athletes is a phenomenal organization. I know you've done a ton with them and they just do amazing work ministering to students and especially athletes, helping them live out their faith on and off the field. And so there was a group at a San Jose district at a San Jose school district school, and they'd been meeting for a long time with no, no issues. But then this teacher got a hold of what he thought was their statement of faith. And it was a little bit actually not entirely accurate, but just grew incensed, uh, put him up on his, on his whiteboard with a message saying how much he disagreed with it and how hateful he thought he was. Talked to the principal and used language I cannot repeat on this podcast to describe how we felt about their views, organized protests, and the school ended up kicking them out, um, saying they, they just kicking them off of the school campus and saying, hey, we, we don't agree with this. And so we're just kicking you out. And so what I'm so grateful for is those students, they really had a choice in that moment. And they could have just said, you know what? This is too hard. This is too much work. We're not going to do it. But they said, no, this is important. They said, we stand by our statement of faith and we believe we'll welcome anyone who wants to come to our group. But if you want to be a leader, you have to abide by our statement of faith and we're not going to back down. And Amazing. so they they took that case to the district court level and then up to the Ninth Circuit and they got a huge victory. And the Ninth Circuit said, look, school, you're you're having a double standard. You'll allow all these other groups to operate on campus and they can choose the members that align with their mission. Uh, they even were allowing a satanic temple group on campus, but not FCA. And the court which is just so encouraging to me is that the court said, no, this is wrong. You need to allow the group. And they ordered the school to reinstate the group on campus. It's amazing. That is another huge win. And and I love the fact that we're kind of running the table as far as the expression of faith in school settings, in sports settings, because I think those two settings open up the public square more than anything else that you're going to see. It just opens those doors wide open 
tell us a little bit. I know that there's something there's, there's something happening with Coach Freeze. Um, I think he's down maybe mm-hmm. in Auburn. Is he in Auburn? I just wanted to touch on this a little bit. I know Coach Freeze used to be the head coach at Liberty University, which is where all of my kids have gone. I still have a daughter at Liberty University. Uh, She's got a couple years left, which I'm excited about. Um, But Coach Freeze went down to this program. Tell us a little bit about the story there and why these previous court decisions matter to him. Of course. So like you said, Coach Freeze used to be at Liberty, but he went to Auburn University and he's a football coach there now. And there's a mom who was learning. She was working with a lot of the students and she was seeing that they were really struggling. They were having depression, suicidal ideation. And she said, the answer to this is prayer. So she started praying with the students and it grew into this movement where they had this night where they filled the stadium. There were 6,000 students and really God showed up and hearts and lives were changed. And at the end, one of the girls said, hey, I want to get baptized. And then all these other students started saying, I want to get baptized too. So they found a nearby pond and they started baptizing students. And one of the people who did that was Coach Freeze. Like, as you were saying, he was at Liberty. He's known for his Christian beliefs. And a student asked to be baptized and he baptized the student at the student's request off after hours. Uh And so for most of us, we would say, yeah, that's awesome. And that makes total sense. He's off hours. The student asked him. But like you were saying, uh, Freedom From Religion Foundation didn't see it that way. And they sent a letter to Auburn University using kind of the same arguments that were used against Coach Kennedy saying, hey, this is government endorsement. This is the students are going to feel coerced, which I've never seen a student ask to do something. And then a coach helps them do it and not be coercion. But therein lies the logic of Freedom From Religion Foundation. Yes, indeed. Yes, it does. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so... Uh, the good news is before Coach Kennedy, I think Auburn would have had a little bit of a dilemma on their hands of saying, oh, we want to abide by the law, but there's these bad precedents. But now after Kennedy, the school has been great. And Coach Freeze is doing great and he's coaching football. And it looks like he's not going to suffer any punishment for that. He's going to be free to live out his faith as he should be, according to the Constitution. Yeah, I love that because, you know, th- what this should do is take the fear factor away. Right. For every coach, for every single coach in America, this should take the free, the the fear factor away from you and know that you can't, you do not check your faith on the campus grounds. There, there is no in, you know, protective bubble. And there's, and you know what I love about that is that this is about integrity, right? Integrity means you're whole. I don't leave my character. I don't leave my faith at the door. It comes with me and the free expression of that. So I want my audience to hear this because we got a lot of coaches. We got a lot of teachers that your expression of your faith does not end when you step on a college campus or step on a high school or middle school or any campus in America. So thank God for these victories. Thank you for that. Absolutely. No. And I, what I appreciate is that, like we've been saying, we're going back to the constitution. We're going back to the first amendment. And in coach Kennedy's case, one of the things the court said that I loved is they said, not only is he protected, he's doubly protected by both the free exercise clause and the free speech clause. What I appreciate is Coach Kennedy not only got us a win at the court, but he set a win by his example because that case went on for eight years. I was with First Liberty back in the day when we first got the call from Coach Kennedy. And for eight years, we fought and we lost every stop along the way until the Supreme Court. He jokes that he thought for a while we were just really terrible attorneys, but (laughs) we had a strategy and we were in a pretty, just slightly hostile territory in the state of Washington. 
but we won at the Supreme Court, but we wouldn't have that win. And all these Americans wouldn't have been protected if Coach Kennedy hadn't said, I'm going to do what's right. Like you said, having integrity and saying, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to fight the good fight. I'm not going to give up no matter what. I'm going to overcome. And because he had that mindset, he saw a victory. What I love about the Coach Kennedy situation is that, you know, he spent six, seven, eight years fighting this. He was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to, you know, to really have a tough road. I mean, here's a guy that was coaching um, and he gave it all up, but he he fought the fight. And what I love about this is we need people like him. We need people like the San Jose School District. We need people like a Coach Freeze, like, you know, all of these situations. We'll talk a little bit about the Navy SEALs in a bit. We need people that are willing to sacrifice in order to protect free speech, religious free speech, and um, so that it kind of clears the slate for everybody else. It makes it easier for everybody else that comes behind, and that's why I love what you're doing so much. Thanks for tuning in to part one of the two-part series with Cassie Doolin, where we talk about when we fight, we win. Stay tuned for next time for part two. You don't want to miss that. 